Okay, so this, tonight's seminar is on how to read the Bible one-to-one. Handouts are there. So again, you can take those now if you like. So there are two handouts for the price of one seminar. Um, Yeah, you guys have already got those, that's great. So do take those with you. And we will work mainly through the first hand, well, the the one with more words on it. And then I'm hoping, I hope we'll maybe spend about a little over the first half of our hour together looking at some of the those practical how-tos about reading the Bible one-to-one. And then, in a very heightened and accelerated way, I'm hoping we can have a, use some of the tools for reading the Bible one-to-one in pairs for basically, we're going to have probably about 20 minutes max. So it's going to be very artificial in that regard. But I hope to give you a flavor of how to use some of the tools that are in the second handout, some sort of simple frameworks for Bible reading. So that's where we're headed tonight. Let me pray, and then um, I'll talk about some of the resources we've got here as well. Let me me pray. Father God, thank you so much that you have good news for sinners like us. Father, thank you so much that you have given us your life-giving word. Um, We think supremely that is your Son, the living word, But also, Lord, your Holy Spirit has um, written your written word for us. He inspired many writers over many years. And Lord, every bit of your word is God-breathed and is useful to us to equip us to live for you in this world. And Lord, thank you that um, it's not something we just read in isolation, individually, in our culture, but we can also read together, one-to-ones in small groups. Lord, and just pray tonight as we think through some of the practicalities of that, that, Lord, you would encourage us, you'd excite us. This is something perhaps that everyone here tonight could do with someone else. And, Lord, this might actually have a knock-on effect in our church family, that there will be many people reading your word together, praying for each other, sharing life together, and that in turn would strengthen each one of us in our love for you, our love for each other, and our love for this world. So, Father, use tonight for your purposes, we ask, and, Lord, encourage us and excite us about the gift of your word as a result of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, yeah, just to begin, um, just to turn to the person next to you or people next to you, um, just for a couple of minutes, and just think, who were the key people who influenced you in your Christian life? And what was it about them that made them so influential? Okay, so think of key people who influenced you, what was it about them? Take a couple of minutes and then we will come back together. Okay, go. So I guess, I mean, there's a, a verse in the, in the middle of your handout. Um, 1 Thessalonians um, 2 verse 8, um, where Paul and Timothy are just reminding the Thessalonian Christians of the life they spent with them. And again, just, it's a very simple verse, but you, because we loved you so much, we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. There's a sense of sharing life with someone. Now, of course, in the gospel of God, they needed to hear that, but it was, it was actually as Paul and Timothy embodied that, shared that with, with the people in Thessalonica, that many of them came to faith. So kind of reading the Bible one-to-one, I think, is, is a big part of that. It's not the only way that we can share our lives together as well as the gospel, um, but I want to suggest it can be a really um, helpful way of building one another up. So definition on your handout, you know, it's not rocket science, is it? One Christian helping another grow as a disciple of Jesus. They're reading the Bible together, praying for one another and sharing their lives together. Um, 
So just, again, if people have got Bibles with them, if you could just look at, maybe in the groups you're with there, first of all, there's three passages <clears throat> there. Some quite would be well known. There's a lot going on in all of them, so we're definitely going to be skimming them. But Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Actually, we could get people to read this, and then we're going to discuss it in our groups. So if someone could read Matthew 28, 18 to 20, just to volunteer for that. We'll get, yeah, Mark, thank you. Colossians 1, 28 to 29, volunteer for that. John, thank you. And then Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Volunteer for that. Yeah, yeah great, Kit. Thank you. So let's listen to these passages. Um, and then we're going to think about how these would speak into how we can build one another up um, in the faith of, of the Lord Jesus. So, so yeah, we're looking at Matthew 28, Colossians 1, and Ephesians 4. So we're going to just read them all out. Then we'll look at these questions. Then we'll take a bit of time in our groups to discuss them. So... I think it's smart first. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Colossians 1. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This end, I strenuously contend all the energy of Christ so powerfully works in me. Amen. Ephesians. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is ahead, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joins and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up and up as each part does its work. Thanks, Kate. So, questions on your handouts? The big one really is, so what vision for discipleship do we get from these passages, both individually and as a church family? Um, and then maybe narrowing in on the reading the Bible one-to-one, our topic tonight, how could reading the Bible one-to-one help different people grow as disciples of Jesus? For instance, Someone who isn't a Christian, someone who's a new Christian, someone who's been a Christian for a long time, and how could reading the Bible one to one with someone help us grow as disciples of Jesus ourselves? So, just um, the vision of discipleship, first of all, from these passages, and then thinking how could reading the Bible one to one help other people, and how could it help ourselves? Okay? Let's take a few minutes to discuss that in your groups, and we'll come back together. I guess in one sense, I mean, the, a church where people are reading the Bible one-to-one, there is a sense of taking kind of seriously, I guess, that we, do, we all do have a part to play, and we all can understand God's Word. There's a sense where there's always been a struggle of going, oh, you know, someone maybe feels a bit daunted by Scripture. Um, and definitely some bits of the Bible are more difficult than others. But there's a sense, if you look in the middle of your handout, um, a guy called David Helm in the States just just says, you know, not, not in a very exciting way, but it goes, any committed Christian is capable of initiating a good conversation on a biblical text. Um, 
Now, that doesn't always mean it, it goes well. <laughs> it doesn't always mean you, you know exactly where it's going. But there is a sense where, that's weird way, but it's almost like you want to democratize reading the Bible. You say, actually, in one sense, if we believe that we all have the Holy Spirit as Christians, if we believe that God's word is given to us, and we live in a time where we do have such free access to it, then we can be prayerfully reading it with someone else. And, and we get real benefit from that. Um, so there's a sense of not just, I could only leave this to a preacher or a theologian or a big prominent Christian speaker or something. There's a sense where actually two Christians reading God's word together, God can really meet with them there. And we're going to think in a minute about some different tools we can use to try and hold, you know, handle God's word responsibly and honestly. But actually sometimes we maybe just imagine it's only the specialists who can do this. And... And that isn't the vision actually you get from particularly Ephesians 4, but there's a sense of the leaders are there, but they're equipping everyone, and then everyone is, is you contributing to the body of Christ being built up. Okay, well, then the middle part of your handout. Um, <clears throat> I'm always aware this is the tricky part in a sense. There's some good resources that are on the back page there of some books you can read. How-tos for how to do one-to-one. Obviously, there's a sense where it's, I want one is a bit of an art rather than a science. You don't want to say this is exactly what you have to do. But also, I think part of the value of thinking in these terms of going, actually, somebody just by taking these steps the first few times you meet with someone, then if you begin to do things slightly differently, but it just gives you a little bit of a framework to work with. So, I mean, first of all, you know, we don't need to justify it, but um, one of the books I was reading just talks about different examples of one-to-one discipleship in the Bible. Um, I mean, interesting, you Jesus' disciples, there's not huge evidence in the Gospels of been spending lots of time just with one disciple. There's maybe hints in John's Gospel, John being the disciple Jesus loved, potentially. Certainly there's the idea of the twelve he spends a lot of time with, the three in that group, twelve, Peter, James, and John he spends time with. But certainly the Apostle Paul seems to spend a good bit of time investing in, in his case, their younger leaders like Timothy and Titus, earlier in his life Barnabas being someone who's slightly ahead of Paul, and meeting with him and encouraging him. Um, and his Paul um, speaking to Timothy, a younger leader in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, the sense of wanting to is pass the baton on. So the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. So, okay, you've heard me say things, Timothy, teach them to other people, but again, not just that they'll learn, but so they will in turn be able to help other people understand Jesus. So there is a real sense of it is passing it on. Um, and some of the books are reading quite helpfully talking about some of the dangers and pitfalls of reading the Bible one-to-one is that maybe if we're the slightly older Christian, you don't want to become a guru or someone who the person is spiritually dependent on. The real healthy goal you want is actually wanting this person to grow in their understanding of Scripture, their love of Jesus, their love of the Lord, and so they themselves can help other people. So it's not just, I want this person to always look to me for answers. It's actually, no, I want us to look together to God's word. And hopefully then in time, this person might be able to read the Bible with someone else one-to-one, the idea of passing it on with different people. And the one and other commands, there are a big selection of them there, but we often say it, Avenue, kind of, those are harder to do in a big church gathering. And we certainly can pray together, pray for one another after service, but actually... Home groups, we often say, are the big place for one another commands, but also one-to-ones, a lot of one another things we can do together. So reading the Bible one-to-one, it's simple, it's universal, meets the disciple, it leads a very different people. So again, you think, maybe you look at different people in the church, you go, that person maybe could really help with maybe 
a new sense of like sort of their marriage or, or maybe apologetics, understanding the gospel or engaging with, with different religions. But actually, in one sense, if we're just getting people into God's word, getting them to grow in love for him and love for neighbor through God's word, that is what we all need. And of course, there are different seasons where we need different bits of teaching to help us. But getting into God's word is a great thing for all of us to do. And of course, why don't we do it? Um, we're scared of getting it wrong. Um, it is difficult to suggest to someone else to read the Bible. I don't know if people find that. I, I, occupationally, maybe it's easier for me, but even I find it difficult. You don't want to sort of say, oh yeah, let's, let's get together. I don't know what it is culturally. It feels maybe a very personal, private thing even, but actually taking that step of asking someone can be really well received actually in the end. I can think of, say, even Kate, your example of someone who took you, invested in you as a student. And you're very grateful they did that. And that took actually a bit of courage in many ways to do that. Um, we do know where to start. I hope we'll, we'll have something in that in a, in a minute or so. And then this is the page where kind of in one sense it's kind of taken us a bit by the hand, but what's involved in reading the Bible one-to-one? Very simply, it's about praying and we need God to be at work. It's about listening to God's word and it's about loving one another. Um, some of the books I was reading, um, people say almost there's like, Depending on stage of life, you younger Christians maybe have more time, therefore a one-to-one could be two hours or more. Someone maybe it's very snatched in a lunch break or an evening, it's maybe 45 minutes. Um, but those are the components. We want to be praying together, listening to God's word, and actually impact, letting that impact our lives, loving one another, sharing the gospel in our lives. So typical one-to-one meeting on the handout again. We pray, read the Bible passage out loud together, and one thing that struck me on that was just someone suggesting just read a couple of verses each as you go. And bizarrely, I've done that the last couple of weeks and that's been so much more helpful. It's like, oh, you read the passage today. It's fine, but actually something just you both reading together, bizarrely, can just make you a bit more engaged with it, which is good. Um, and then very simply talk about it. What do you think of this passage? Apply it. How will this change our lives? Pray together. Confirm your next meeting time. Um, yeah, it's very, very simple in that regard. And then who should you meet with? Um, yeah, just the books kind of helpfully say just anyone with a spiritual hunger, I guess. That feels strange. We've said everyone, we want this to be for everyone, but sometimes you will maybe ask someone or think someone and they say no, not to be too crushed by that. You know, there's a sense of different seasons in life. Um, you kind of want eventually everyone to want to do this, but actually, you know, yeah, don't beat our heads against a brick wall. If someone doesn't want to meet, that's okay. Um, so looking for someone with spiritual hunger. Again, a non-Christian feels strange to read the Bible with, but there are non-Christians who really want to. And the same with a new Christian, same with an established Christian. But that spiritual hunger thing can be helpful in thinking through who to invite. And then the regularity. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the books you're saying weekly or fortnightly is best. Again, that can be hard. Um, often monthly feels a bit more sustainable. But I guess the idea that you want to keep a bit of momentum going. So, of course, monthly is not terrible. It's better than nothing. Um, but a bit of frequency is great. And then some of the books, again, saying, agree on an initial time span, let people have a way out. <laughs> if that makes sense, you to have a way out. It's not just let's read the Bible until Jesus comes back. <laughs> um, so you're going maybe six sessions, maybe three months, and then you review it is quite good, good advice. And again, one book was talking about some of those pitfalls of not becoming dependent on each other. Maybe it's best to say, you know, you maybe think to yourself, any more than one to two years, we won't keep reading the Bible one to one. We'll encourage maybe to meet with someone else. Of course, you still spend time with that person, you still love them, 
but there's a sense of maybe it's better to kind of just that should morph into something a bit different and um, that one-to-one -one Bible reading can, can maybe move with someone else. Um, yeah, these are just it's principles. It's not you. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not you. It's <laughs> exactly. I've got a handout here and it says, after two years, I'm allowed to stop meeting with you. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, these are just, you know, sort of little you know, wisdom calls that we can, we can take or leave in a sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, John's already mentioned it, you know, what to study together. You probably want to choose you know, a gospel for a non-Christian. It always makes a huge amount of sense. And one of the resources we have, we've got a good stash of these um, journaling Bibles. They're all the rage these days. Um, but yeah, the sense of actually got the passage on one side and space to write on the other. It just is quite easy in preparation thing. You can scribble things down. You're both scribbling down as you go. That can be quite helpful. Just there's no notes to it. Just you're reading the Bible together. And um, there are resources which you can have a look at. And good book guides that have good questions with a leader's bit at the back. Um, often just a book of the Bible you know well. And it, that can actually be a thing if you feel you don't feel equipped to read the Bible one to one anytime soon, going maybe, is there a book I could get to know well? Whether that's you know Mark's Gospel, whether that's Colossians, 1 Peter, just shorter letters in the New Testament. You go, right, I'm going to read this and hopefully then I can maybe start reading it with someone else. <coughs> so maybe have a go-to book that you think, yes, I kind of know where I am with this. That's where I would start with someone. Um, that could be quite helpful. But with all having said all that, um, we've got our second handout, and we're going to try and do this. So there are two um, sort of simple frameworks for Bible reading here. Um, so we have the Swedish method and the Coma method. Um, both strange names. Swedish method, I, I am rightly told, originated in Sweden. Um, but we've always done this in home groups, so this might look familiar for some people. Um, but again, this is a good um, method to use in one-to-one, -one, and then the Coma method is another one. So the Swedish method, just as it is on the handout there, you use just three pictures to guide you as you read the passage. So a light bulb, what stands out for you from the passage, a question mark, any questions you have about the passage, and then a thinking man, sort of personal application for your life. So again, the way it works is kind of those rules of thumb there. Write down at least one thing under every category, probably no more than three things. And ideally, there's something you maybe do separately and then you come together and share. Though you could do it all in one, in one moment if you, if you can do that. So allow five to 10 minutes to read the passage, write down your thoughts, unless you prepare in advance, then you can just start straight away. Share and discuss your answers together. Pray for each other. Um, Swedish method is often used evangelistically, I think, by IFES. And they say it's, it's actually the helpful things there is it kind of just this very level playing field. You're both using the same thing. There's not like special answers behind. Um, so that can be helpful. And then you've got the coma method, which I'd, yeah, I'd like to be comma, because coma sounds that you're just going slipping into unconsciousness as you do it. Hopefully that's not the case. But it is just four useful headings, context, observation, meaning, application. So just any Bible passage, you know, your context, what sort of writing is this? Where does it fit in the overall Bible story? What's just happened? What's about to happen? Again, what do we look at last time if you're working that? So thinking, starting with that context, then observation is a very simple one. Just look at the detail, what stands out, keywords. Um, what does it say? How does it say it? Then the meaning you're wanting to really begin to think, okay, what does this mean for us? Tell us about God, about ourselves. And then application, how does this encourage or challenge me? How will this passage grow my love for God and my love for my neighbor? So in one sense, it's very straightforward. 
Um, so what I want us to do, um, in pairs, so you can choose from your fingers what you want to do, or just pairs, um, if you could just turn open Colossians 1, 15 to 23, I'm going to read it for us, and I'm going to say, well, yeah, so you can choose in your pair if you want to do Swedish method or Coma method. I say this is very artificial. We've got all of 10 minutes to do this in. But, um, but just maybe, if, if you use the Swedish method, just take up to five minutes just to scribble down some thoughts using those three pictures, and then you've got five minutes to talk about that together. If you're using the Coma method, just maybe discuss together using those four headings. Um, but let's just think through this little bit of Colossians together and use one of these methods and think how it might frame a longer Bible study question and Bible study with someone, but we're going to do it very high speed tonight. So Colossians 1 verse 15, Paul writing, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that's been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant." Okay, with your partner, you're going Swedish, you're going coma. <laughs> um, spend the next 10 minutes discussing that passage. You might want to do some time quietly beforehand, but spend some time talking about this passage. And then we're going to have five minutes at the very end just to reflect on that, and then we're going to finish. Okay, again, this is artificial, but go for it. Yes, thank you, everyone. So those are two methods we could use, again, with the with the other hand out, just thinking through those hows and how to go about approaching um, asking someone and getting into reading the Bible one-to-one -one with them. I think just it is that sense of trying to remove some of the mystique of it and some of the sort of the scariness of it going actually, I, mean, I was just struck by that little, it's again, this American guy, David Helm, just going, any committed Christian is capable of initiating a good conversation on a biblical text. We're all still learning, we're all still wanting to understand God's word better, but Actually, we don't have to be daunted that we're not maybe where we wish we were or where we think someone else is. There's a sense of actually going, no, I could read the Bible one-to-one -one and actually have a really good time spending 60 minutes, 45 minutes, 90 minutes with someone. Um, this could be really good for both of us in that context of prayer, listening to God's word and loving one another.